After 24 hours of soul searching, after the first loss of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks, we're back on the podcast train and uh, we're going to be talking about some interesting stats to start the season. There'll be some good stats, there'll be some bad stats, some things we love, some things we're perhaps uh, just a little bit worried about, but we're going to break it all down on today's show and uh, most importantly, have some fun. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Locked on Bucks. My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, uh, out of the Bucks Radio Network Analyst Chair and into the Locked on Bucks Analyst Chair, uh, it is Justin Garcia back as he always is for today's episode that is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on NBA. And of course, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen, first watch, however you're doing it. We appreciate it that you're doing it at all. And uh, specifically on YouTube, keep the subscriptions coming and keep jumping in the comments section. I would say not too much panic after the Bucks' first loss of the season last night. I think as I take a bit of a temperature check, it seemed that everyone was feeling okay about it. The Bucks will play the Thunder tomorrow or today, potentially, as you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Drew Holiday is listed on the injury report uh, with his ankle sprain, but not necessarily ruled out yet. So I think we'll see uh, how that one goes and probably find out more closer to uh, the start of that game. Uh, Season series done with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not messing around with this one, Justin. Yeah, it's that's been the weird part about this particular schedule was um, we talked about it weeks ago where you had the opener Thursday in Philly then two days later, your home opener, and then you were off for three days, yeah. and then went right back to every other day, and then you have two straight weeks with a back-to-back or weekends with a back-to-back, and now we'll have two straight weekends of Saturday, Sunday, no games, but you're done with the Thunder basically immediately, and three of your first, uh, what will it end up being, like 13 games are against the Atlanta Hawks. Well, uh, they also had – a couple of games against the Hawks overseas. So it feels like we've just yep. seen far too much of the Atlanta Hawks uh, so far this season. I did have an Atlanta fan jump into YouTube comments and he said, I told you that you the Bucks wouldn't keep beating the Hawks. And I said, well, no, it's very true. You got those two Abu Dhabi wins as well. So you'll be able to uh, <laughs> sleep well at night knowing you won those two preseason games. But uh, we'll see if the Bucks can bounce back. Uh, I mentioned this to you and I mentioned this at the start of this podcast. We're just going to look at some numbers and it's obviously it's very early. So you take some of them with a grain of salt. They're still pretty noisy, only 10 games into this season. But nonetheless, it's a fun exercise and everyone loves doing it. So we're going to dive into some of the numbers on today's show. Uh, Have you got anything that you bring into the table that you want to get started with or you want me to roll? How do you want to do this? (laughs) Wow. Put me on the spot there. Anything with numbers? Um uh, I almost feel bad saying it, but no, not really. I mean, I, I still have been uh, keeping my um, 
my mega spreadsheet of league-wide mm-hmm. statistics and and for all the uh, analytics and stats nerds out there I have uh, one full mega sheet of all the data numbers basically imaginable which I utilize three different websites for then there's 30 pivot tables for each team and a pivot table for the league nothing's really jumped out um and again we're talking about a tenth of the season being played but mm-hmm. The interesting part to me, or at least as of a couple of days ago, was we keep talking about the three-point defense and the improvements there. And, um, you know, you and I talked about this too. It's it's not even the volume of threes and the makes. It's just trying to keep track of the open looks that the Bucks are giving up, and those have certainly decreased. But it's surprising that, you know, at, at first blush when you saw these numbers that the opponents are getting – I just kind of assumed when watching the Bucks and looking at these box scores that well, it kind of feels like three-point shooting is down league-wide with some of the changes in last year and then the take-foul change this year is just made for more up-and-down play and, and more fast breaks and points in the paint. And it's not the case that you have more teams. I think the average league average, there's one more three being attempted per game than there was a season ago. And you have more teams – that are in the high thirties and 40 or more than we had a year ago. So the bucks are still holding up well. And uh, despite the eyeball test, the league is actually taking more threes and making more threes. So I'm going to tease this for a little bit later on the show, keep people engaged here, but the bucks transition numbers on offense is something that stand out to me as I was going through this today. So I want to get into the bucks transition offense later on in the show, but let's start with the positive. I might be just teasing that the transition stuff isn't a positive if you're looking at the numbers, but let's start with the positive. So if you just want to straight up look at what the Bucks starters have done and keeping in mind that uh, the depth has been tested on this team, there's no question. When you have Connaughton and particularly uh, Chris Middleton out of this lineup, you're asking a couple of guys to play more than what we expect if the Bucks are at full health. Hopefully they get there at some point and hopefully uh, both Pat and Chris are potentially playing in the next couple of weeks here. That would be absolutely lovely. So Overall, the Bucks have a net rating of 9.5 uh, across 960 possessions. So still pretty early, but you know you would expect that. They're 9-1. and one, You expect the net rating to be looking pretty good. This is per cleaning the glass. Uh, the starters, a pretty solid plus 28.9 right now, over 190 possessions. And when I say the starters, I'm talking about Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, and then Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So that uh, group of five right there, plus 28.9. And then if you just want to shrink that a little bit for a little bit of a bigger sample size to just Drew, Brooke, and Giannis, it's plus 19.5 over 317 possessions. So, you know, it's just reassuring. And we understand that the schedule's been a little bit on the lighter side, but that's fine. If you've got those three key guys on the floor, you would hope that they're destroying teams, particularly teams that you expect aren't going to be contending. And they are. So... It, yeah, it's early, uh, but those numbers are reassuring that the Bucks starters as a group, their main starting group right now is dominant, but perhaps more importantly, their three main guys on the floor together are destroying teams, particularly defensively, but even the offense is a little bit better. Yeah, and um, I guess the, the, the takeaway, if it even is a takeaway for me, is coming into the season with no Chris, I think we all kind of assumed the offense, there was a decent chance it was going to be just okay at best, maybe Mm -hmm. bad without Chris, especially in the half court. 
And I think their half court offense is 12th or 13th so far, which on the surface is, yeah, it's a little better than I would have expected. I think yeah. the counter is, yeah, that's, it's better than I expected, but they also haven't really played any really good defenses, or at least the schedule has been in terms of win percentage, the easiest in the league, and they haven't played the toughest defenses to date, but it's still, I honestly expected a little bit lower than 12th to 13th, wherever it is that they are expected in the bottom half. So I'll look at that as a positive. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, that's why, uh, particularly the overall net rating, you look at it and you say, gee, okay, so the starters have been dominant. It's like, yeah, they probably should, even though you have those guys out. But it does make you feel good. If Drew, Brooke, and Giannis are dominant at this point, you add Chris to that mix and that quartet that, uh, let's be honest, your best four players, you hope they carry you to success later on in the season. You feel pretty good about that. All right, I want to talk about these transition numbers that uh, I teased Next, but first, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs, as we understand, if you're looking for uh, looking to hire people, if you're looking for qualified candidates, you need to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Now, uh, I've discussed this a little bit on this show, but it's pretty simple. All you have to do is add the job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. There are simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire as well. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply there. All right, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as well. Uh, there's probably some Lakers chat on there, some interesting stuff going on with the Lakers and poor old Darvin Ham. We love Darvin Ham here on this podcast, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we understood he was walking into a, a difficult situation and it's been a slow start for the Lakers, but listen to the Locked On Sports Today podcast to be over everything in sports and potentially uh, Justin's struggling, struggling blues in the NHL as well. All right, let's get back to the Bucks. And by the way, just quickly, so you said the blues, so you, <laughs> I don't follow hockey at all, but you said they started 3-0, they're now 3-8. Uh, Not ideal. Uh, well, they're about to be 3-8. Who knows? Maybe there's a miracle in them. But yeah, it's... Um... Wow. Been subpar and it uh, makes me reevaluate how I spend my off nights. Well, as uh, Frank has said, with various other sports teams, whether in Wisconsin, particularly, whether it's the Brewers, whether it's the Packers, makes you appreciate the Bucks. All right, transition offense. You've got Giannis in your team. You think to yourself, okay, this should be one of the best transition offenses in the entire league. Uh, you would assume so. So I was just taking a look through. This is via cleaning the glass. So transition offense so far this year, the Bucks. Uh, generating about 112 points per 100 possessions, which is actually 16th in the league. Now, these numbers are all pretty bunched up, but 16th in the league is interesting because during the Bud era to this point, the Bucks have always been top seven, and for three of the four years, they've been top five, which, again, makes sense. If you've got Giannis, uh, you think about the introduction of the take-foul rule, and we say, okay, now it's going to be on for young and old. Giannis is going to be free. He's going to be dunking on everyone. There's going to be free points. They'll have to, opposition teams have to make a decision. But so far, 
they're 16th. And I was like, okay, well, what's Giannis doing then? Is he having a down year efficiency-wise? And we know that he's had some struggles, particularly shooting outside the restricted area, but he's 81 for 105 in the restricted area. This man is shooting 77% at the rim this year, which is just not even human, those numbers. So no issues there, which if Giannis is in transition, generally that's where he's going to be scoring. And he and he personally is generating 1.29 points per uh, play, which is up from 1.14 last year. So essentially, most Bucks fans will be listening to this and saying, well, that's a... Great. It's a tremendous news flash you've brought to the table, Kane. Uh, Giannis is scoring in transition pretty efficiently. I say, okay. So that's great. So where's the problem? We've discussed the three-point shooting, and I think that this that this is it. And I'm not necessarily sure that this is going to change through the season. You bring in Pat, you bring in Chris, maybe it will. But the Bucks are shooting 29% on 118 attempts when the shot clock is between 15 and 24 seconds. So those early shot clock attempts... Obviously, there's some heaves in there that distort the numbers a little bit, but it's not going to be that much that they're going to ruin that. So 29% on early shot clock threes, a lot of them transition, and they're 34% on their 237 wide open threes, which a lot of the times if you shoot in a transition three, it's wide open. So essentially, the Bucks are really getting a lot of looks that they would be happy with, and they're not hitting them, which kind of reminds you of the postseason. We've seen this before. Yeah, I think um, we can probably count on one hand the amount of good shooting quarters from the outside they've had this season. That I, I want to say it's like four or five quarters. It was mm. first quarter against the Hawks on uh, Monday. And uh, I believe it was the second quarter against the Thunder over the weekend. But it's it's been very, very rare that you think, okay, now they're starting to, to really catch fire. It was midway through the homestand that they started to piece together some decent shooting performances. And a lot of that was... A Drew holidays. So when I saw the number, uh, I honestly expected it to be lower because when you think about their transition attack, like case in point, the game against the Hawks, I think they had three transition points against Atlanta on Monday. Yeah. And those came in the first quarter. And it, there's been a handful of those where I, I want to say it's really only been the home opener against the Rockets. And I think the second game against the Pistons where you looked at it and you said, here's where the Bucks were in transition and their fast break points and uh, a massive advantage here. Cause you know, going back to the opener, it wasn't um, it wasn't like cause for concern, but I remember, I think we talked about it on this show. You watched what Philadelphia did or didn't do against the Celtics and what the Celtics transition offense was in that game. And you thought, man, Philly still hasn't figured out how to get back on defense. Bucks should really take advantage of this with Giannis and drew and they didn't. The two teams were basically even and their points created in transition in that game. So it kind of started off a little strange. And, you know, part of it is the open looks that you're getting from the outside and you're not hitting. We can't uh, point to the take foul. That's something that has certainly helped the Bucks, I think, this year. But, you know, when you think about it, it hasn't been a whole lot of Giannis in transition, especially lately. We've been seeing a lot of Javon Carter, and I think he's gotten better at it and Grayson Allen. But, you know, it hasn't so much been Giannis. And I think that's another part of it, of you're not hitting outside shots. And we saw it more earlier in the season. But lately, we haven't seen a whole lot of Giannis in transition. His his points in the paint have really come from half-court sets. So, the, so they are averaging, and we've discussed what the Bucs are giving up 
behind the three-point line a lot on this podcast. And uh, last time I checked, it might have fluctuated a little bit, but probably not a lot, actually, because Atlanta only attempted 29 threes overall yesterday. So in terms of wide-open opposition threes, I don't know if you have the number, but it was around 13 or 14 per game. Yeah, the last last time I checked. Last I checked, I think it was 13-something. And uh, what, the Hawks, it was only... I don't even, it was a very low volume because overall the Bucs are still only giving up 31 or 32 three point attempts a game. And the league average right now is 34 or 35. So the Bucs on, on offense, then. So if you, we always talk and everyone talks about, okay, the math game, what opportunities are you getting? What looks are you getting? So the Bucs are putting up 23 wide open threes a game. That's a pretty big number. You're going to be pretty happy with that. We talk about the function of the offense, but if you're getting 23 wide open looks from three, you want to be shooting a decent clip on those. And as I said, they're at 34% so far. Uh, Some of the guys we've discussed, George Hill hasn't really shot the three well, even though it's obviously pretty low volume for him. Uh, Bobby Portis hasn't been where he's been in previous years. And ultimately, the one guy that is overall shooting the ball well, even though he's had some stretches as well, is Grayson Allen, who's up at 41% on the season now, which again, just brings me back to the point. And yeah, you'll bring back Pat. You trust him. Obviously, Chris, probably the best shooter in the team when you take into the attempts he takes as well. And a lot of them contested threes, best shooter in the team, in my opinion. Uh, But it does just bring back to me the real importance of Grayson Allen to this team. Because I I know that he's not a perfect player. He's not a superstar. He's not even an all-star caliber player, all those things. But the skill set that he does have I just think uh, this team lacks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I think for me, it's a big reason um, that, and of course the depth, why a couple of weeks ago when we had the Jay Crowder discussion and all signs point to Grayson Allen, if you want to work something out there, why we both kind of came down on, I understand the value Jay Crowder brings, but I would not be in favor of it because of the skill set that he has. And, And we've seen him, continue to I don't even want to say expand that because it's not as though Grayson could never put the ball on the floor and all he did was catch and shoot at Duke but you've seen him more willing to start to attack um but I think through the first what 10 games of the season you know we talked about who's finishing in transition uh, you still see more of Grayson Allen just kind of probing and looking for the open man whereas yeah I, I think we're kind of the point of like I don't know if it's a little gun shy from the Celtics series, but you want him to just go up and, and be aggressive there that we heard that with Javon Carter, especially after the first few games of the season where he had the, the one field goal attempt game. And then he came out and took what, like 15 in the next game. It's kind of the same thing for Grayson of, you know, he's, he's started to heat up from the outside, which is also big because first four or so games of the season, it didn't seem like he could buy a bucket, but you know, now it's kind of tough to say when he's hitting threes, but you still want him to try and finish at the basket rather than just being the guy that's getting into the paint and looking for someone. Yeah, Grayson Allen doesn't really take bad shots. Uh, and I don't really think Javon Carter does either. A lot of the t- he, he does settle into those mid-ranges off the dribble a lot, but having said that, he's a good shooter and they're wide open looks every single time. So I, I never really look at those and think, gee, that's horrific. Uh, but... Yeah, maybe he, he he could be shooting those as threes. And those two guys, to your point, sometimes you're like, okay, you can look the score a little bit more. Why not? You're going to get open looks, which is in complete contrast to someone like Jordan Wara, where it's always like, I mean, he the 
he's a scorer and and a, and a talented scorer. There's no doubt, but the difficulty of the shots he takes is just off the charts. Like the the amount of times where he shoots and you're just like, oh my god, I don't know if that's the shot that people want you to take, and that's his role. Like that's fine. Um, but I'll ask you a little bit more about that uh, in just a bit, and also then we will get to Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton uh, as they are getting closer to hopefully a return. But today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And betonline.net has some odds here for when Kyrie Irving will return to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Within 11 to 20 games is the favorite at plus 125. Uh, Closely followed by he'll never return to the Nets at plus 150. And then you have uh, within six to 10 games and within five games as well. And then we have uh, some lines for the next coach to be fired. I don't particularly like that, but uh, Jamal Mosley at four to one. Uh, I don't know. That would seem pretty strange to me yeah. if the Orlando Magic made a move. I'm not sure about that one. But you can check out all those odds and more from across uh, every single sport that you can think of at betonline.net. Uh, they are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Online where the game starts. Uh, As I mentioned off the top, uh, make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. And uh, of course, uh, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or watch of every day. Subscribe on YouTube, jump in the comments, let us know what you think about these stats. Let us know what you think about Grayson Allen. And let us know what you think about the return of Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton because after last night's post-game show, Justin and Luke, we were, we were a little bit dazed and confused. It had been a long time since we had to do a post-game podcast where the Bucks lost. Uh, but there were some comments that came through that just straight up said, gee, I miss Chris and I really miss Pat. And I just really want to see these guys play basketball. Uh, has there been anything in the last day or two? I was scouring all the media availabilities we get sent through to our emails and the Zoom calls and all those types of things. Uh, you know, Chris, this time last week was with the Wisconsin Herd, and I still had it pegged it around the middle of this month. But the middle of this month is creeping up pretty close. And next week, uh, both of those players still listed uh, solidly as out for this game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, when you saw him, so uh, first of all, um, I had heard, uh, well, from Bucks president, Peter Fagan, not in an individual setting, but on an inter- interview he gave said, uh, yeah, Chris is about a week away from returning. And that was a week, two weeks ago. So you started to think, okay, that kind of lines up with what we were assuming. And you saw that Chris was practicing with the herd. And it's, there's no like universal approach, but it's usually you're a week, 10 days, two weeks-ish away from returning once you start to get those those practices and things like, oh, he's going to, you know, be assigned to the herd to get these, five on fives in. So you started to kind of look at the the calendar and say, well, the timeline they gave us on Pat was three weeks and this past Sunday was three weeks. So, all right, maybe he'll return. And the last uh, home game we had on the homestand, uh, Bud was pressed about it by either Eric or uh, Jim Ozarski about, uh, so in case we don't see you before the road trip, What's the status of, of these two guys? And Chris, he was asked about first. We didn't really get an answer there. But with Pat, um, 
the the funniest part was one when he when he was asked what about Pat, but was Pat Connaughton as if there's another Pat or we were referring to somebody That's else. So uh, he'd said, yeah, he's going to be on the trip. And we obviously saw him in Atlanta. So then you start to think, okay, if he's traveling, he's going to be playing. I honestly thought he would be playing on Wednesday against the Thunder. So if we get to the point of he's still listed as out uh, Friday in San Antonio, then I don't know. Maybe it's just a, all right, we put him on the trip and, you know, we have checkpoints we want to go through with him, but he'll make his return once we return home the following Monday. The Chris thing, I I don't know. I'm not even a venture, I guess. I know we just said it's usually like a week to two weeks. I was kind of in the same as you where I thought it would be like the first to second week in November. Now I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of reevaluating, but also you, you look at it and you say, well, Yes, I miss having him on the floor and everything we talked about with the half-court offense, but also what's the hurry? It's it's November, and we saw his importance last year in the playoffs, so we're going to have to wait to see Joe Ingles. If we got to wait until, not ideal, but if we got to wait until late November or December to see Chris, fine. If we're just kind of like staggering the returns, you get Pat in November, you get Chris in December, you get Joe Ingles in January. So November 18, although, you know, these types of things, I don't know whether teams actually take it into account or whether they care, but uh, these types of things, it's like, ah, it'd be nice to bring him out for the first time in front of home fans, wouldn't it? So as I just peruse uh, through the schedule here, there's clearly one game that stands out on the schedule, which is at Philadelphia on ESPN on the 18th of November. But, uh, you know, around that mark, after they play Philadelphia, they've got a couple of home games against Portland and Chicago, November 21, November 23. So, uh, that's that's going outside my uh, previous prediction of the middle well, of November. I don't think the November twenty one counts, but November eighteen, I'm claiming. Oh, okay. I would, I would. Uh, so I would almost say before that, be, or it's either going to be before that or after. Um, that's be, a big call. So it's either going to be before or move. after. Yeah, it's going to be so one of the two. I'll tell you what, um, I hope so. It's it's not going to be November eighteenth. So now I guarantee oh. it'll be the eighteenth, just because. Um, once they're back from San Antonio, you mentioned the game in Philly. That's it. They're basically home for the rest of November. That I I think it's the final game in November. Might be in New York against the Knicks, but they're on the road for that. And they're on the road in Philly on the 18th, but they come home this weekend. They don't leave until the 17th, and then they're back until the final day in November. So it gives you a, a – that's ideal for bringing a guy back from injury where – He's not traveling. You can monitor him a lot more. You have open gym and things that you're doing five on five because of the off days at your training facility. So that's why I would say, I don't know if it's going to happen on the 18th when they're on the road. I think it would either be leading up to that or when you get that weekend off again. And then what the 21st would that be? So I will say it is either the 16th or the 21st. No reasonable call. That's a huge homestand as well as I'm just looking at that. I mean, we've spoken about the schedule four, being easy. Yeah. Yeah. You get Portland, Chicago, Cleveland, Dallas. Then you're on the road mm. for one game in New York, Madison Square Garden. But then you come home and you got the Lakers who yeah. I know the Lakers aren't playing well, but it's always a big game. So yeah, some big games it's, in that little stretch a, there. Yeah, it's a big week. I mean, you have the two home games, then it's two big really? weeks really because yeah. you have the two home games and uh, one of those is the Cavs, your first matchup with the Cavs. Then you're in Philly, and then it's the week of Thanksgiving where you have the Blazers who look really good to begin the season. 
You have the Bulls coming here the day before Thanksgiving, which you expect will be a raucous atmosphere for that. You play the day after Thanksgiving against the Cavs again. And then um, Sunday night, Sunday after Thanksgiving, nobody cares about the Packers anymore. So you have Luka Doncic, who may be bringing like a 22-game, 30-point streak to town. Yep, Jason Kidd revenge game. By the way, as we wrap this up, Bud, does he think we're talking about Postman Pat? It's like there's only there's only one Pat Bud. I, on. I was I was talking about it with uh, a few people there afterwards. Like who? I mean, I know Bud likes to not give information and mess with the media jokingly, but who did he think we were referring to? That it was basically oh, Pat Connaughton? Is that who you mean? I think there's a um. I, I've got. And obviously, you know, we, you certainly more than me the last few years, but in the couple of years that I was over that way, uh, I, I think Bud's funny. I, I think oh, he's yeah. genuinely a funny guy. Like, I think he would be uh, pretty hilarious to hang out with because he's got uh, plenty of one-liners that I appreciate. And uh, Pat Who uh, is one of them that I think is some pretty good stuff from Mike Budenholzer. Let's wrap this up. 7 p.m. tomorrow night, if I've got that correct, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm really thrown off. You guys have come out of daylight savings. i got no idea what's going on. It's basically been four days in a row that I've been set up to podcast an hour early, and I have to be reminded. But I'm trying to figure it all out. Uh, but 7 p.m. Central Time, the Bucks looking to go 10-1. and 1. We'll have a podcast after it, as we always do, wrapping up the game. As I said, subscribe on the audio platform. Subscribe on YouTube. Get in the comments. Let us know what you think. That boosts us up. But we also get to have some fun and talk about the Bucks. So make sure you do that on YouTube for Justin and myself. We'll leave it there. And we'll catch you guys 